continuing uh, talking about a simple Christmas. How many of us want a simple Christmas? A little more relaxing, a little less pressure. I think that so we can keep the Christmas, uh, Christmas simple by focusing on God's love, joy, peace, and faith. The purpose of Advent is to prepare. It's an ancient tradition. We're trying to prepare for the celebration of Jesus' first coming, as we mentioned, but it's also trying to prepare for his second coming. Someday, you're going to see him face to face. Are you ready? Advent is a time for us to think about be ready. Unfortunately, the preparation for celebrating Jesus' first coming often shifts into a never-ending to-do list. If you're not really sure what I mean, please open your bulletin to look at the upcoming event. You know, not complaining, but we added one to the list already this morning. On his second coming, the fact that we're going to see him, he's coming back, and we're going to see him face to face. The second coming is often forgotten, completely forgotten, in this rush to get the perfect gift, or to buy the perfect gift, or to get somebody else to give you the perfect gift, right? Because we want to be happy. And receiving the perfect gift. Will make us super happy, right? You and I have been lied to and misled. We've been hoodwinked and bamboozled. I love those two words because they're almost the same thing. The hoodwinked and bamboozled. Advertisers tell us that if we buy their product, we will experience goodness. Well, that's what we've always they imply that joy is just one purchase away. Just, just buy this stuff. Buy my product, and everything's going to be great. Buy my stuff, and your clothes will never be dirty again. Buy this food supplement, and you'll never be hungry again. Yeah, right. Formula is to create an ever increasing craving for an ever decreasing pleasure. So, and basically, what they're doing is they're feeding greed. They're creating greed. So, that's a great definition of greed an ever increasing craving for an ever decreasing pleasure. Greed. It's an idol, and it's a false god, and it's something that promises us something that can never deliver. The idol being declared more. All you need is more. If you get more, you will be happy. You will be joyful if only you can have more.
real easy for us to, to put food off on other people because, well, they're like that. Other people are greedy. So the problem is, we are all led astray by the lies of greed and the promises of greed. We don't have to be a Republican or Democrat or a member of any other party to want more. In fact, you don't even have to be an independent. Everybody seems to want more. Rich people want more. Poor people want more. Middle class people want more. We all want more. We are all convinced that if I just had more, We have, they have. And the same issues they have, we have. 
Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the Jewish followers in the city of Philippi. In the city uh, of Philippi in Greece, it's one of his letters that's recorded in the Bible. It's in Philippians chapter 4. It's a four, I call the fourth page of the letter. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. It's on page 1163. Let me check my number. 1163 there in the Bibles of the in the rest, or you can follow along in the new version app on your device if you would like, or you can read along with me on the screen. But trust me, this is large print. Philippians chapter 4, Paul, Paul's bringing this letter to a close, and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Joy. And, and the words like that, are, are uh, all through this letter. Starting from the very first chapter, talking about rejoicing and, and having joy. Uh, oh, why do you think that? And it's okay to call out an answer here. But why do you think of when you hear the word rejoice? Well, that's my answer. Anybody else? Singing. So, what kind of circumstances do you think somebody would be in when they wrote something like this? Rejoice, celebrate, party, be happy, sing songs to the Lord. Always. I'll say it again. What kind of circumstances do you think the guy is in when he writes it? They just paid off a big debt. They just got to call Dave Branch or whoever he was back there. Joy while he's waiting for his execution. 
says, with the gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I think we're starting to get hinted here from, from, from Paul and his answer to this question. How can you be rejoicing while you're sitting in a Roman dungeon on death row? This part of the teaching. Tell God about it. Okay. That's probably not too hard. But then he adds this little thing there. With thanksgiving. No doubt about it, with thanksgiving. So that brings us to another question. Okay. I get this idea of telling God about all the problems. But how can I be thankful sitting in a Roman dungeon? How can you be thankful sitting in a Roman dungeon on death row waiting for your execution? Peace of God, if you follow God about it with thanksgiving, and peace of God, which transcends all understanding. Right? Those are big words, right? Transcend. How about goes way beyond? Three, there's three little words. I like that. Goes way beyond. The peace of God which goes way beyond all your understanding, every bit of your ability to figure things out. That peace will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. But first, okay. I wish I could have asked it. Exactly how many of these things have you found in a Roman dungeon? How many noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, praiseworthy things could be found in the Roman Empire? Like, is one of those rats really pretty? You like the super cockroach or just the regular guy? goes on to say, whatever he's learned or received or heard from me or seen him, they put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you. You live in a Roman dungeon. And he says in verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Ah, here's a little bit more of Paul's secret sauce to being able to rejoice while he's possibly on death row in a Roman dungeon. Definitely in a Roman dungeon, possibly on death row. He had learned to be content. Should we notice something about this? Being content is not natural. It doesn't come to us easily. It is something we have to learn to do. 
And he says, I've learned this. He goes on to explain, just to make sure we understand what he's talking about. He says, Yet it was good of you to share in my trouble. Oh, 
idea of what Paul's talking about. Paul's urging them for a gift that they had sent to them. And through a guy who we're about to meet in the next verse, uh, his name is Apostle. I told you I didn't want to use the word prison because it might give you the wrong idea. The Romans in their empire didn't want to waste money keeping people alive in prison. Uh, prison was just to keep people there. If you, if you were going to survive being in prison, you better have family and friends who are willing to bring you food. Because if they don't bring you food, Rome's not going to supply you with food. Pleasing to God. And my God will supply all your needs. 
Greek word is to take that verse and yank it out of context and say, He's going to take care of me no matter what. Well, that's what Paul says. And what he's saying is, God takes care of generous people. Did I lose you? Okay, no. Pleasing to God, and He will be on your knees. He is the peak of His ministry. That's before your gift. God's going to take care of you for taking care of me. I think the key to learning to be content and rejoicing, even if you're on death row, in a Roman dungeon like Paul. He just speaks through this whole section of what he writes to them. So here's the sermon in a sentence. Joy-filled people are grateful people. Joy-filled people are grateful people. So that leads us to another question. Why do we just stop? What prevents us from experiencing joy? Here's the problem. You and I are caught in the steel teeth of a trap called comparison. We, we have learned to be complacent about who we are and discontented with what we have in comparison to what other people have. Well, it's got more than I have, and it's not fair. I just want to remind you that you are a citizen of the most blessed nation in the world. Like 90% of the world, at least, 90% of the people in the world can look at you and say, You have more than I have, and it's not fair. There's only one person in the world, and I have no idea who it is. I thought about looking up, but I decided to just play by. There is only one person in this world who has more than everybody else. And odds are really good that he or she wants more too. They probably could look around and go, I may not have as much money as I have, but he's got four more houses than I do. I only have one island in the Caribbean, and he owns three. That's not fair. Here's the problem with comparison. There is always somebody who has something you don't have. Always. We need to break 
free from that comparison trap because it is the only way to experience joy. As long as I am unhappy because what I have isn't as big as what they have, as much as they have, or whatever, as long as I'm comparison, and I'm losing because, you know, very few of us turn around and go, oh, I've got so much more than Since the moment we say that, we say, oh, okay, so if I apply what I've been saying about him to me, then I need to start sharing what I have with them. But if I share what I have with them, then I'll never catch up with them. But if you're helping them, that promise, my God will supply all your needs, will apply to you. And whether you ever catch up with these people, God will take care of you to take care of way to stop comparing yourself to yourself to others is to stand in the foot of Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose for all of us. From the person who had more than everybody else to the person who had absolutely nothing. We all stand in the same He died, lived, and died, and rose again, not just for those in here, not just for rich people or for poor people, not merely for Americans, not for everybody else, but not us. Not for members of one political party or two political parties or three political parties. Frankly, he doesn't really care what your political party is. We discover that we all have a universal need. It was true for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was true for Adam and Eve. It was true for Noah. It was true for Paul and Judas. And it was true for your mama and your papa. because we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus. We've been lied to, hoodwinked, and bamboozled. I told you I like that word. You can think of using it here. We've been lied to, hoodwinked, and bamboozled. All the doctors tell us that we buy those products. If you just get a little bit more of the stuff I've been trying to sell you, and you're going to experience joy. And it's not like joy is just one purchase away. It's insane. 
People who advertise phones that they're telling me since about two days after I got it, two years ago, that I need to replace this phone because the latest and greatest is better. And I look at this, I look at, I look at what they say the latest and greatest is, and I'm going, but this one does that and more. What's the difference? I don't even have five things I've never used. They make the most difference. But they're the latest and the greatest. I just curious. I could have never done that. I actually looked at the latest version of this phone. It cost nearly $1,000. This phone, by the way, didn't cost $1,000. Of course, you know that. The new version. This phone costs $9,990. It has a new camera. This one is paid for. I don't need a new camera on my phone. But it was my mistake to look at what the new phones look like because now the Google people have told Verizon and T-Mobile and all the other people who sell phones, I looked at a new phone. You get a brand new car in a quote of car commercial, and three days later, it's total. Oh, that's not very satisfying. You know, build one that won't get wet. I had one of those. It was 65 starches or 65 50 something starches. I put on the ice and bumped a little Toyota. Nearly totaled the poor thing. I love that car. Yes, it's in a scrapyard somewhere else. The things we buy never deliver, do they? They tell us if you buy this, you're going to be happy. And you get it, and then you get it all. You've got to know what is better. That was still going to make you happy, but this is the only truth that you don't really make you happy. It's when you buy it. They never deliver. They never have. And the next one won't. It's like as soon as we get it, there'll be another one right after it. Yeah. 
place where your trace is up there, that clear one tip, and one more question. Just to be clear with this question, the photo should talk to you about this. Well, what if they need your attention? So they need to do it more quickly. Thank you. 